The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. Using science to debunk myths from the pandemic to climate fraud. Thanks for listening to Sky Dragon Slaying on TNT Radio. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Sky Dragon Slaying, where we bring you the truth on science and current affairs that the mainstream would rather you didn't know. I'm John O'Sullivan, CEO of Principia Scientific International. As usual, joining me is Canadian astrophysicist Joe Postma. Now, you've probably seen them. They're everywhere. LED lights. They're very, very bright. They're very, very intense. Uh, yeah, many people have said they're probably an antidote for the problems we have at seeing at night. Uh, they're very helpful, um, but there's a hidden danger. There's a hidden danger that is not being properly reported. Um, in Britain recently, a radio broadcast mentioned that the fact that LED lights were a problem, and hundreds of listeners called in to complain about the high intensity, the dazzle effect of these lights at night, especially for drivers. You know, drivers are getting these headlights in their eyes, finding it very difficult to concentrate on the road and getting headaches. Um, this is something we addressed before on Principia Scientific International and on TNT Radio. Uh, what isn't being mentioned, of course, in these reports is the cancer risks, literally cancer risks posed by this technology. These high intensity lights, um, you know, we were looking at the concern they had in, in our previous show. We had with us uh, Dr. Nisa Khan. Dr. Khan, she's a holder of 10 US scientific patents. She's a senior member of the Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers. And she features in Who's Who as a world authority in this field. Um, among her many achievements, Dr. Khan served in the, te the Technical Advisory Board of the LED Professional Symposium, Europe's foremost annual event in LED lighting until 2016. And she wrote the LED update column in Science of the Times magazine from 2006 to 2016. Um, she's now a much sought after independent consultant. You can find Dr. Khan at a business website, www iem-led.com. Uh, hi, Nisa. Very, great pleasure to have you back. How are you this morning? I'm fine, John. How are you? And how are you, Joe? It's good to be back on the show. Thanks, Nisa. Good. Yeah, Nisa, um, we were there first. You were there first. You are leading the world in... Um, you're a whistleblower. You, um, you told me many times, we've spoken about this issue quite a few times now. You, you had a very successful career in the industry, but your conscience bugged you. You were making a great deal of money. If you went along with the narrative, if you'd have just done as you were told, you'd be having a wonderful career. But uh, it bugged you that um, there's a safety issue here not being reported. Um, you kind of found out uh, you're, you're an expert in mathematics. You're, you're a real uh, at the forefront of mathematical an analysis on this field. You are here to basically give out another warning to the world to say that you, as a leading expert in this field, categorically warn that LED lights, in effect, are a health hazard. Can you just give us a, a brief summary of, of why you think that is true? Uh, sure, I'll, I'll give it a try. Uh, first of all, you are right. Thank you for the introduction. <clears throat> you are right. I had a good career in the optical sciences, fiber optics, and semiconductors, uh, working on lasers and uh, fiber optic systems that used optical components. 
And um, and then um, I diverted a little bit and went into finance and came back to doing science. But you're right. Even when I was having a good career, um, the issue was that everything I was doing um, was basically incremental work. And I found it to be very easy, which is fine. I mean, doing easy work uh, and a hard life um, is, is a good thing. But um, it bothered me that after so many years I spent in school, um, there's got to be more to science and discoveries. And um, some things didn't add up while I was going through school. So you sort of ask these questions and you don't get answers from the professors uh, or from the books or anywhere. Um, so basically, you just go, what can I do? I have to move on. So you finish your degrees, you get a job. And, and I was lucky enough to end up in the world's best um, research facility, uh, research organization doing optical sciences. And I was doing fine there. And I still had questions about how some things didn't add up. So when I came back to doing science uh, independently, I decided to work on LED lighting and not go back to doing lasers or optical modulators and switches and, and those things. And in order to do LED lighting, I had to educate myself in lighting because as we you and I talked about, um, uh, the scientific fields tend to get um, segmented and separated. And uh, so uh, even a hundred years ago, um, the optical sciences uh, moved on to lasers, fiber optics, and those things, leaving lighting behind. In fact, all the very prominent optical scientists and engineers that I knew at Bell Labs and in the universities, they used to make fun of lighting. It's easy. Well, lighting was easy because they did the right thing and went after lights that uh, that were pretty good for us, like the incandescent lighting. Um, so when I decided, I have the laser background, I have the optical sciences background with very strong mathematical background, uh, both analytical and uh, simulation and numerical background. So I uh, decided, and, and LED lighting was slowly uh, gaining uh, footing. Um, people saw the future in LED lighting, and there was a lot of talk about uh, making the Edison light bulb up, uh, obsolete. And that was a great line that everybody used that became very popular. So um, and right away, I noticed that lighting science is a bit different uh, compared to what generally what the physics uh, community and an optical sciences community in particular were doing. Lighting is a 3D um, phenomena. And when you solve problems, you have to solve three-dimensional problems. And three-dimensional problems are harder than two-dimensional problems in, in science and mathematics. Everybody knows that. But the lighting didn't even solve the 3D problem or 2D problem. They were solving the 1D problem because lighting was all easy because the type of light bulbs they worked with, you could use um, the inverse square law, which is related to Newton's um, inverse square law for gravity. There is an equivalent of it. It's known as the Coulomb's law. The farther you go away from the light source, the intensity falls off as one over R squared. Now, th that light source has to be a point source. And 
I found out through great pain, trying to publish papers and getting rejected out there that people didn't know what a point source was. The best peer reviewers, the editors, and uh, the best scientists and engineers, professors I have dealt with, they were all wrong for hundreds of years about what this point source is. And the lighting industry, as I taught myself, and I took every single lighting course the lighting, the light fair offered for at least five years. I woke up at five in the morning and I would take the bus and go to New York City and attended that show for one week. And I took every course that was offered. And of course, the courses were pretty rudimentary, even the intermediate and high level for me to understand. But I knew right away that they were going after a very easy approximation, which is fine and dandy for an incandescent lamp. It doesn't work for LED lamp. And I had to, I was asked to write a book and now the book has become a, um, it's Understanding LED Illumination published in 2013 by CRC Press, which is part of Taylor & Francis, perhaps the world's biggest publisher. And the book is now used in India in University of Mumbai and in other universities in India and around the world as a textbook. After many years, people realized that is perhaps the best lighting book to learn from. And while writing the book, I recognized, oh my God, LEDs are producing the type of light in three-dimensional zone that is entirely different from what the sun generates or a candle generates or an incandescent light bulb generates. And then I had to then figure out what it meant and I was lucky enough to find um, companies that helped me uh, measure the light intensity in 3D. And I did the mathematical analysis to confirm that that was actually right. And that happens to be Lambert's law, Lambert's cosine law. Another problem, mainstream science, engineering, this um, very um, prestigious field that many, many Harvard professors, Cambridge, Oxford, MIT, University of Santa Barbara, Illinois, my alma mater, University of Minnesota, they <laughs> never understood Lambert's cosine law, inverse square law, or the, they worked with LEDs, which um, LEDs is a precursor to laser. These are now all semiconductor devices. And they all missed the point, actually many points that I realized, they never got the fundamental right about light, optics, lighting, anything, not even Einstein. So um, while writing the book, I recognized the worst case situation for LED. I'm like, oh my God, LED is becoming so popular in the lighting industry. They are going and replacing as many light bulbs and luminaires, luminaires is, is the whole lighting fixture as possible. And I recognized in 2012 when I was writing the book that the worst case scenario would be the LED headlight. And I knew that because I know what the LED lighting is producing in the, the LED at the light source on the surface and also in front of the surface, which is the illumination zone, which is a 3D living environment that we live in. And then I also recognize how the eye works. The eye is a detector that is a very different light detector from any human-made detector out there. And again, that has to do with 2D versus 3D. Every camera, the, the, uh, uh, where the image 
uh, falls is a flat plane. Our eye is not flat. Our eye is, first of all, processing, taking in light at an extremely high speed. And the brain also processes at an extremely high speed. So if the light is fundamentally wrong in terms of space and time, it turns out light is a phenomenon of space and time. Einstein tried to figure it out, but he didn't. <laughs> Again, there, there are challenges in mathematics that allow you not to completely figure it out. And that is part of the whole quantum mechanics field is all about. Is it space? Is it time? How is it changing? Uh, um, the uh, uncertainty principle, you know, they it looked like they were all trying, but nature works simultaneously in space and time. And only our brain and eyes can detect these simultaneous activities of light change in the atmosphere, in the environment that we look at. And we are lucky to have a situation where the sun is so far away and the sun is spherical, a point source, going back to why people didn't understand the point source, because they never defined what a point is. Neither did Newton, neither did Cavendish, who supposedly, um, proved that Newton's inverse square law gravity, law of gravity is correct 111 years after Newton said, here is the law of gravity. So all of this is nonsense. Newton did not figure it out. Cavendish, whatever hand-waving argument he tried to uh, provide to validate this law in the, in, in the lab doing an experiment is, is also not totally correct. And he went and said these masses, what is the inverse square law of gravity? It's the force of gravity equals the gravitational constant G times the mass one multiplied by mass two divided by the distance squared between the two masses. And Cavendish said the, the, the shape of these masses have to be uh, spherical. And that's all fine and dandy. And it doesn't really quite work if uh, we have more than two masses. How many distances do we go? So for, of course, gravity, universal law of gravity can't just be between two points. But if if the two masses are far away, like the Earth and the Moon, then you can sort of approximate it. So everything in physics ends up being an approximation, which is also fine. We can do a lot of good science with approximation. However, if the approximation does not apply, then it is junk science. It is not science at all. And in order to figure out when something applies and when something doesn't, it falls back down to the shape of the objects, the size of the objects. And a point defines neither. Point is volumeless, massless. Okay. So how LED light at the source, you have to look at the shape of it. Fundamentally, it is different from the shape of the sun. The sun is a nicely spherical celestial body. A candle is not quite spherical, but it has illumination all around in, in space. So you can sort of approximate a candle using a point source. Incandescent light from far away, because it produces light from a coil, it more or less works like a spherical emitter, light emitter. But having the laser background before, I knew laser is the flattest thing. Semiconductor laser is the flattest structure one can produce. 
they produce it in the lab. And all of semiconductor LEDs that are used in LED lighting, each source is flat. And a flat radiator produces a Lambertian. It turns out the industry does not understand what a Lambertian pattern looks like in 3D. So they all know it's a Lambertian pattern. Everybody, uh, the problem with the scientists and engineers out there, they love to repeat things and act like they know something, which is not true. Repeating something does not mean you understand it. So there are people who are getting very, very sick, not only just from LED headlights, but by looking at it, their brain is so sensitive. They actually three, they actually see the 3D Lambertian pattern light radiation pattern coming from an LED in order for a brain to process it. It has in space and in time, very, it is, it has a changing behavior mm. instantaneously in space and yeah. time. I want so to, um, a human just, being just... or no species can process this change that fast in space and time. Yeah. There is a reason why it. we are this far away from the sun. Yeah. There is a reason why the Earth uh, has forced into an environment where species and, and all of these uh, people survive from the sunlight. Anyway, I'll stop yeah. here and answer your questions. Yeah, we're going to take a short break. This is TNT Radio. Oh. TNT's Patrick Henningsen. Hamza Dahoud was the eldest son of the Gaza Bureau for Al Jazeera, while Dahoud who previously lost other family members in Israeli bombing raid. And we would say that this is probably in terms of conflicts. Uh, this many journalists have been lost, uh, killed, injured in the whole of the Second World War. And that lasted uh, a number of years. And only in the last three months are we scraping 100 on the uh, journalist uh, fatality list, which is coming Fast and Furious out of Gaza. Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk TNT. From weather and traffic reports to news of political developments, we turn to journalists for the information we need to live our daily lives. Journalists around the world provide news that is essential for democracy, for personal freedom, and for safety and stability. Yet their ability to report freely and safely is under attack like never before. Too many journalists are paying with their lives. They faced exponential risks and they've already paid a heavy toll. Death threats, online harassment, and physical attacks are becoming a daily experience of journalists in all countries. We just want people to be safe, to be able to get our readers the information that they need to make informed decisions. They checked my phone and realized that it was Pegasus. I feel myself like I'm naked at the street. These charges were politicized from the start. Facts win. Truth wins. Justice wins. Stand with a free press. Stand with journalists whose reporting won't be silenced. Press freedom is your freedom.
I want to say this, and I'm going to say it just once. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Yeah, we just want to um, emphasize that uh, Dr. Khan, Dr. Nisa Khan, is a world-leading expert in LED lighting. Uh, she said uh, before the break, uh, one of her books is used internationally as a textbook in higher education uh, to, to enable students to comprehend the complexities of you know, lighting. Lighting, we think of it as very, very trivial. We don't regard it as a health risk. Um, nobody used to think of it as a health risk. Um, only when somebody of the most highest caliber somebody who really understands you know, the intricacies of, of the science uh, can really pinpoint the problem. And when you're a whistleblower, um, your credibility is often under attack. And uh, especially if you're an eminent scientist, somebody at the cutting edge of, of research, you know, you, you can be considered as a, an outlier, somebody who's an outcast, a maverick. Um, we don't think uh, Dr. Khan's a maverick because uh, we kind of know exactly where she's coming from. Joe, Joe Postma, you, you've got something to add to that, haven't you? Yeah, well, I get the impression uh, from uh, Nisa's uh, excellent intro and explanation of LED lighting that, uh, yeah, so LED lights are, are more directional uh, than incandescent point sources. You know, you think of a candle or, or the sun, you know, you would call that omnidirectional lighting. You know, the lighting is pretty even in any given direction. But it seems that the LEDs are much more directional, and so that's the difference between, you know, those, the point source approximation versus, uh, you know, what, what you called the, the Lambertian uh, distribution, right? Just basically means that uh, an LED is more like a flashlight, directional, uh, than a candle. And I think that's why when they put them in the car headlights, they're actually way brighter. They're much brighter than they should be because they haven't done that calculation. They're still using that calculation like as if it's a point source, but it's actually more directional. And that's why those LED car headlights are so much brighter and so hard to look at. Um, on the road. And of course, uh, another big difference with the LED lighting compared to the incandescent lighting, which generally we've always only ever been exposed to throughout all of evolutionary history, and even in recent um, manufactured lighting history with uh, incandescent lighting, you know, those produce, and what we've been exposed to is what's called a, a black body. Generally, it's a black body distribution, just means it's a nice, smooth distribution in the frequencies. Um, all frequencies are present, uh, whereas with LED lighting, they're much more spectrally confined aren't they they're they're uh, they're not distributed yeah. evenly smoothly over spectrum they're much more confined that's a different thing for our eyes our eyes have never dealt with lighting like that i mean we can obviously see it we are dealing with it uh, but you know maybe there is some health issue there because you know it's one of those things of modern industry we are exposed to a frequency exposed to a, a form of light you know highly localized in terms of spectrum highly spectral lighting which is just not something yes. our, our our eyes have really ever done before and actually i wanted to ask you about are they doing the same thing so so why are we going to led i mean one one point to make is that they're incredibly efficient right like you can have uh, the same basic lighting from i think it's like five watts versus you know your traditional 120 watt light bulb so there is a huge difference and efficiency and i think that's what they're going for and that's what they want and i think the leds are also a bit more robust they don't break down quickly as quickly i don't think they don't need to be replaced but um i've been noticing around my city purple street lights like can you explain what's happening with that why are yes, the street lights yes. turning purple they're uh, turning into like black lighting it's so awful to look at at night yeah, uh, I can explain all of that. Uh, thank you, Joe, for um, uh, bringing up a couple of things that uh, we should discuss here as well. Um, it all goes back to 
what made laser a laser? What made an LED an LED? And why are these devices, um, uh, radiation sources, efficient? Efficiency does not come for free. And um, again, people in the lighting industry and in the optical sciences way back when, and even now in the lighting industry, is very familiar with the term lambertian, but they don't understand what it is, but they don't understand the pattern. What produces a lambertian pattern? It's a, only a flat radiator will produce a lambertian pattern. They don't want to admit to it, but you take a flat radiator and you measure it 1 million times, 1 billion times, you will get a lambertian. If you take a non-flat radiator at zero times, you get a lambertian radiation. So why is the case that the industry does not understand it? And I go back to saying that Newton did not prove Newton's law, Lambert did not prove Lambert's law, because if they did, they would have left some proofs in the universities, in the community, in the academic community, in the scientific community, and they didn't. So going back to the flat source, flat source is the reason why efficiency is offered to us. And flat no, source think... is the reason Flat source no, is the let me explain that for the people. Spectrum is different. Yeah, when you say when you okay. say flat, that 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 actually means like if you have an LED flashlight at home, I mean, don't turn it on and look at it. Just when it's off, look at the element. So, in a, with a traditional light, you know, you would have that little coiled filament, right? Uh, most of us have probably seen that before, and you know that that's where the light comes from because it heats up. When you look at an LED flashlight, there's actually there's these tiny little rectangular flat. Um, metal things right that you'll right. see in there and those that's are what are now now producing the light yeah right that's packaged and even in the package you can see that the there is as you said rectangular flat little things inside the package is a semiconductor chip that is extremely flat and it is man-made and all semiconductor lasers are also similar chips only much smaller because laser has to be you can only get laser efficiency over a very, very small um, uh, real estate, physical size. The, the larger you make them, the efficiency goes down. So I don't want to go into the science of that. So anything, a flat radiator will be, uh, un until you get to the laser, because there is a threshold from LED to laser, you have to pass a threshold. So but you have to start with the flat radiator for both the the led semiconductor leds and laser and under the threshold you have a semi-coherent situation quasi-monochromatic situation and a little bit higher polarization than random polarization for light all of these things have health implications because sunlight is the healthiest light it has random polarization it has uniform illumination over all four pies to radian. Now, this sounds very scientific. When people say, I've covered all angles and it's 360, it's only true if you're a cartoon character. 360 is angles covering on a flat plane. If you live in 3D, and we are 3D people, we are 3D human beings, we live in a 3D zone, covering all angles is a solid angle, and all of the solid angle is four pies to radian. So you need to understand the mathematics of a sphere and you need to understand the mathematics of a flat radiator 
and how this is where Gauss's law comes in, in terms of how light is emitted from any arbitrarily shaped emitter. You could have like a peanut shaped um, uh, radiator and emitter, and a, uh, the peanut shaped radiator is going to follow Gauss's law. Turns out the industry, the prominent esteemed lighting optical scientists don't even know what Gauss's law is. Again, maybe Gauss didn't prove Gauss's law. And in the recent PSI paper, I challenged if those important physics laws were proven hundreds of years ago, where are they? Because I am uh, encountering conversations and experiences with the top-notch professors and LED uh, uh, scientists, laser scientists, they don't know what the Gauss's law says in plain language. So we'll come to the health effects because the problem is the you get high efficiency because it's flat. You get monochromatic, uh, a bad spectrum that is not good for us because the radiation source, the light source is flat. Everything is the problem of the flat and you need to understand the math and science of a flat radiator. Thanks, so, I really the, love uh, I really love what you're talking about, um, and this is just a segue. We don't have to go into this discussion, but I just want to bring it up because it's so good. You're talking about the difference in the math between flat versus sphere, right? Well, that's such a huge thing because that's exactly where the greenhouse effect comes from in climate science. You know that we're big climate science debunkers. They literally start the, the, the basic pedagogy, right? The basic pedagogical starting point, and I've had the climate scientists tell me this, and I have it quoted, this is the starting point for all climate science, no one disputes this. And what is the starting point? Using a flat earth to approximate how the sun shines on the earth, right? And I say, well, why not use a right sphere? On. Like, why, why can't we correct. just use a sphere? and see if it makes a difference in the math. And you know what? It makes a huge, huge difference, difference. in the math. Yes. It's important. And they hate yes. it and they don't want to discuss Thur it. And it's like <laughs> thermal yeah. radiation. Thermal radiation is also electromagnetic radiation. Light is electromagnetic radiation. So when I figured out how LEDs work, that is so different from any other incumbent light and lamps, mm -hmm. I knew what the problem in, in wireless radiation is and how they are all making a mistake in measuring it and calculating it and also hurting people with 5G radiation and highly intense microwave radiation, RF radiation, all these smartphones generate and the base stations generate. And then after I did the LED, I said, I'm gonna write a wireless paper, I tried. And then I ran into another problems with the peer review and all of the all my rebuttals now exist in my research gate profile. And then initially I had plans to also write a global warming climate change problem saying exactly what you're saying, showing the math that these climate scientists are also not solving the problem correctly and they are making the wrong conclusions. You yeah, are you right. Know, I, could, I, could, I could work with you on that. 100%. Yeah, I could work with you 100%. on that if you like and show, show you some basic diagrams and just the basic mathematical difference. That'd be excellent. Well, I think yes. your point here I is, mean, can, can I just is, make a point? There, there, make there a, is a climate issue. Let me throw that in there because this is very Yeah, important. yeah. Can, can I there make a basic issue, point? But not what they are saying. Where yeah, yeah. scaling is important. When is the earth flat? The earth is flat right underneath my feet. Climate yeah. issues are in big cities like New York, Tokyo, uh, Mumbai, and uh, uh, Shanghai and Beijing, because the density of people and density of all the energy uh, uh, generating uh, and emitting devices 
all of that produces very, very high heat. So locally, there is a problem. But the poor Bangladeshis, my country where I was born, they are getting the grunt of it because, uh, again, there is no global warming. There is local warming. There is climate change. And talking about a one one and a half percent increase globally is totally nonsense. Two percent increase uh, to two degree uh, two degrees C increase or one and a half degrees C. It is not a an average global thing. You know, it is the local increase that are too much. We need to do something about that and not you know, in the middle of Australia or in the middle of the United States. Yeah, I want to make the point, if, if you don't mind, that um, the, the fudge factor here, um, comparatively speaking, in climate science versus the fudge factor, as you say, in, in lighting technology, uh, the, the fudge factor in the mathematics is uh, actually diametrically opposed in their functionality in that for the idea of climate science, they're using it to cause alarm, but in the LED lighting industry, they're suppressing your genuine valid concerns about the health effects. So again, you can see that there's definitely uh, a usefulness here where there's the gatekeeping is going on. The gatekeeping yes. works to serve uh, certain elite corporations, those who make profits, those who make big bucks, those who have an agenda, be it uh, population control, be it uh, suppression of the masses. This is why it's actually probably a very good idea, Nisa, that you and Joe look at the, the mathematics, the numbers here. The, the the subversion of the numbers the the, the fudge factors again you, you're pointing out it's, it's like willful what? ignorance these people what? choose to be ignorant like the three monkeys see no evil talk no evil uh hear no evil because again it is expedient to do it that way isn't it well we know john that yes, they hate um, addressing issues of health don't they they hate it they prefer us to be exposed to things which make us sick don't they because it's all part of the complex right they they love to be able to make us sick they seem to be connected in some way because then that goes to healthcare, and we need to have more health core do health care dollars certainly, certainly so it that seems like they seems like it to be the case um yes so uh i think what you said john uh the the uh, the points you made uh are all true in uh, from my point of view and also joe um so there are many, many people that are getting uh, adversely affected by LED lighting and LED headlight is the worst of it because I also showed, as as Joe, you pointed out, if you look at uh, when, when the, an LED light is not turned on, they are a bunch of little uh, rectangular uh, modules, uh, usually on a flat plane. And and LED headlight is also made that way. So um, if it's if it's not on a flat plane, it's one flat plane and then another flat plane at an angle and another flat plane. But each one of these flat planes with these little rectangular modules uh, in an array, they all produce lambertian. And that is also I proved mathematically why that is the case. So every time there is a lambertian light pattern generated, it will be directive because if you now look at the Lambertian pattern in 3D and you apply Maxwell's equations, and I also did that, and then Lambertian pattern will propagate directionally. It doesn't spread out. Mm -hmm. And all of these things are nature's fundamental laws that uh, come from Gauss's law and all of Maxwell's equations. And it turns out nobody understands what Maxwell's equations say in plain English either. 
So they are all using it as recipes and sometimes they work. It's like a broken clock also works twice a day. Mm -hmm. And aside from a population control issue and business issues, there may be even a bigger issue that I am um, <laughs> busting <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, because, um, offering the truth that, that people don't want to face, particularly scientists don't want to face, is that the basic um, method of calculation of an arbitrarily, arbitrary problem, again, everything goes back to the shape of things and uh, with the shape of things and the volume of things and how much substance is contained within something, and if we let that substance out, so we're talking light now. So a light source, uh, the substance that comes out is light radiation. And inside there is some um, uh, uh, a chemical um, or some other uh, physical processes going on in order for light to escape out of the light source. We call it an emitter. So that's what all these things are, even incandescent light and so forth. But physics, all of this can be applied to hydraulics. If you take a water balloon and uh, there's water inside and provided the balloon rubber surface is strong enough and it can take a small hole that you can create on the surface and provided the uh, the the energy in uh, water energy hydro, hydro energy inside the balloon is is strong enough, you will see the escape of of the water would be shooting out off the surface, and that is making a right angle to the surface. So that is simply Gauss's law that no scientist professors that I ever encountered or worked with recognized that Gauss's law is how substance escapes from its um, bounded solid when it is allowed to escape and, and the force and the direction of it. And we're not done there because the problem yeah. isn't just one hole in I, a I hate to I hate to interrupt you there. We, we need to take a short break. This is TNT Radio. Okay, we'll come back. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Over the weekend, U.S. troops were once again victimized by Iranian-backed thugs who bombed an airbase in Iraq, injuring U.S. soldiers. Pentagon spokesman John Kirby went on ABC over the weekend and poo-pooed the whole thing. Well, as we understand at this early hour on Sunday morning, it's only a very small number of uh, U.S. troops that were affected. Uh, they're being seen for traumatic brain injuries uh, with uh, some symptoms of concussions, but no serious uh, physical injuries other than that. Not that that's not serious enough, of course it is, uh, but uh, we understand it's a small number and, and it's limited to uh, traumatic brain injuries. Is he kidding me? And what's next, Mr. Kirby? Are we going to bomb the heck out of them to make sure they never do this again? Obviously, we're going to do what we have to do to protect them. I mean, these attacks have to stop. Uh, and we've made that very clear. We're going to continue to, to take uh, the kinds of actions we need uh, to better defend ourselves. I would note that uh, one reason why uh, th there weren't uh, more injuries or more extensive damage was because uh, we we have taken necessary force protection precautions in the region to try to, to, try to prepare for these kinds of attacks. <laughs> Some message to our enemies, huh? This is as disgraceful as it gets. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. Freedom of the press is about your right to know. It's about your right to be informed. Today, there are real threats to press freedom. And your right to know about the world around us. 
We must protect our right to know, no matter what kind of news is important to you. Before it's too late, understand the threats. Protectpressfreedom.org. Using science to debunk myths from the pandemic to climate fraud. Thanks for listening to Sky Dragon Slaying on TNT Radio. Yeah, during the break, uh, we're making the point there's a lot of uh, material here to cover. It's, it's a complex issue. There, there's many details. I don't think we can do the whole topic justice in one hour. We're, we're doing the very best that we can to get it across the essentials. Um, just before the break, Dr. Carr and I apologize for cutting you off. Do you, do you want to finish your point? And then we'll go on to some safety issues after that. Yes, as I was saying, um, the fundamental laws have to be recognized in terms of when light is being emitted from a from an emitter, and each emitter is different based on its size and its shape. And these are governed by Gauss's law, and we're not done there, as I was saying, because um, not just what happens, Gauss's law at a at a one point at at uh, one small location, what we call differential. We need to integrate it over the whole emitter to see what the entire emission of light is and where it's going. That's the direction. And uh, if we don't know that, we wouldn't know how to measure it. Because if we don't know where the light is going and how much light is where in 3D space, measuring it will not be accurate. So in order to talk about uh, what safety uh, measures need to be put in place, how to uh, design these LED lights properly so that it won't harm people when, when we have to encounter it. And with LED headlights, we encounter it in a major, major way, even though uh, if we're only looking at 10, 15 seconds, because our brain works much, much faster than that even even a fraction fraction of a second fraction of a femtosecond which is even smaller than a nanosecond and even much much smaller than that and then if you integrate what we're seeing what the what the brain is seeing what the eyes are seeing what the brain is processing even for 10 seconds and 15 seconds and we while we're driving and looking at these headlights and not just one of them, but from many cars in front of us and sometimes behind us because of the rear view mirror and from the sides because of the side view mirrors. And all of these um, light, it's not just the intensity, but it is also the type of light within space and time because our brain processes the amount of light and space and time. And because we have vision that is not just um, uh, uh, cone vision there we have rods that we see from the side we have peripheral mm. vision and all of the entire 3ds of the big cone and the small cone that we see and if the light is changing extremely extremely fast i don't want to say at the speed of light because scientists got that one wrong too and that mm. would be another discussion someday um it is extremely extremely fast and simultaneously changing in space and time so in a way there is no way to measure it right when it comes to led what led light is producing as radiation pattern in space so automatically you're going to get whatever you measure is going to be wrong and not just that what you measure you cannot translate that at what we see because the eye is uh, seeing something different. And I is also processing it very different than any detector can possibly uh, uh, process that information. 
So it's not just the intensity, the problem in the lighting industry and the general people, and I apologize to everybody for talking technical, but the, there was a reason why the best lighting scientist in the lighting industry said, do not go to LED lighting, there are problems. They didn't know the problems, but why we go about to hundred years, there was a, a unspoken, I don't want to say unspoken rule. There was a holy grail of rule in lighting that don't deviate from that point source type of approximation much in lighting. If you do, we're doomed. They are mm -hmm. right about that. So it's of course not a point source uh, uh, incandescent light or a candle. However, it is a lot closer to a point source than LED light is. LED light is entirely opposite of a point source because of its flat structure. So when you go to a candle or incandescent light, whatever you're measuring with the approximation, it is darn good and it is acceptable. And it is acceptable that you measure. It is also acceptable to our eyes and our brain and everything. And yes, it has to do with the spectrum, but spectrum is screwed up not because of anything else, but spectrum is screwed up because the light source is flat. Without the flatness, you would never have a laser. Without the flatness, you mm. never have monochromatic light. You Without mm. the flatness, you never have quasi-monochromatic light like you have in an LED. LED uses... An LED lamp uses a blue light typically, and it uses a yellow phosphor to get white. That white is not white because it is, again, quasi-white, and it is a very bad spectrum, and it is the flatness that is stopping you from getting the spectrum right. And anything you do to get to full spectrum and a healthy spectrum, you are going to lose efficiency in a big time. And by the time you lose efficiency, nobody is looking at what the final bad efficiency is is which is worse worse much worse than an incandescent and halogen light so what can i tell people for safety issues we are already doomed and with some small led lights all shielded if you can take that and if there's business case for it i can't can can't comment on it but the led headlights must go there is nothing you can do there's nothing you can do in in the fundamental inherent uh, science and mathematics, not the science that we created in the last couple of hundred years, mostly colonized and Western science, which happened to be quite wrong in many, many ways. Fundamental nature's law, if you create a lamb version, you will never change the lamb version. And that comes from another nature's law called Fourier transform. Guess what? Fourier didn't prove Fourier transform either. Otherwise, people would know what it meant. Fourier transform get... over cosine is cosine, and thou shall not change a cosine yeah, ever. Let, let's, that is, let's that try... is the nature's law. Yeah, let, let's try and focus on um, the making sure that we get the key message here across to our average listener, our average viewer, because the average person is always looking to the authorities for guidance. And, you know, you, you, you know just to re reiterate, you, you hold 10 U.S. scientific patents. You're a senior member of the Institute of Electrical and Electronic Engineers, you're in who's who as a world expert in this field. Now, the IEEE, they are designated, but most people consider them as an authority for, for giving guidance and health and safety in the area of, of, of electronics, you know, electrical use. And uh, electromagnetic frequency Wi-Fi is everywhere anyway. We, we touched upon this in a previous show when you came on. And it's we talked about the electrosmog effect, the, the the bombardment of our organ organic world with these 
un, unnatural processes. Again, we are not, there's no precedent for the human body or, or for animals or anything living on earth now to be bombarded with that kind of technology. And it's a hidden danger. Um, and I want you just to uh, you know get across what you know about the IEEE and what they've done in terms of health and safety. Have they done anything other than do, and I know what they do, they do very simplistic heat, heating effects. And they're looking, all they're looking for is to, to identify a heating effect, like with um, smartphones and all that. If they see no heating effect, they see no danger. But that's oversimplistic, isn't it? All of that is true. Um, IEEE uh, is um, somewhat involved in the standardization of um, wireless uh, uh, phones, cell phones. Uh, it's ICNIRP is, is, is bigger. Uh, I think uh, IEC is probably involved. And when it comes to lighting, um, uh, IES is involved in lighting, but they don't touch automotive lighting. CIE, which is based in Europe, and they're all international, by the way, but uh, CIE deals with automotive lighting. Again, um, they take light out of LEDs and IC and IRP and IEEE, they take ra radiation out of cell phone and average it out in space and get one number called intensity or power. And it's not one number. The, the, again, the radiation pattern generated from a flat radiator, be it an LED light emitter or be it a, a wireless antenna radiation emitter, it is producing a radiation pattern in space that is changing in space and time with a lot of non-uniformity and uh, there is no stability. So we human beings, when we look, go out in the sun and we see in the sunlight, there's a whole lot of stability of that radiation coming from the sun. And that has to do with both the distance and the fact that it is coming from a spherical light source. The math of that is by the time it gets to us, it is, so uniform all over. We call it intensity uniform, but at the at the root of it is in space and time that light is not changing. But the light change level in space and time coming out of these flat radiators are horrendous how they are changing. And a detector doesn't um, detect all of it. So someday I will have to uh, do my own experiments and and do a video and and show some of that some of those problems. So whatever they're measuring is incorrect. And if they moreover, if they only rely on the heating effects, it's incorrect. Because first of all, the radiation uh, you said the radiation at that frequency or frequency band within RF and microwave is harmful. And if they come with high intensity, non-uniform, our body absorbs it, our eyes absorb it, it is going to uh, harm us in the sense that our biological cells in the body do not know how to react, respond, absorb, deal with this radiation because we, what we're made out of also is interacting with radiation in the atmosphere, and that what gives us the stability. And if the atmosphere is messed up in space and time with that radiation, then 
we are also in trouble. So many of us do not sense it right away, but there are millions of people. There's now more than 8 billion people in the world, but there are millions of people who do sense it, people getting sick right away with radiation from 4G, 5G, and even 3G. So 3G is a lot lower in, in radiation um, density and, and uh, uh, the amount and so forth that uh, people end up absorbing. And these constant use of cell phones and, and, and base stations are even producing a much more intense and directive beam out of, uh, uh, out of the base stations to uh, have this cell phone network work. So when IEEE and ICNIRP and other standard bodies going and measuring them, they're not measuring it right. They don't even they don't even acknowledge that they are flat and directive emitters. The minute I want to say it and write any papers on it, they reject it. And, and fine, they reject it, but I am somewhat active in LinkedIn. And what I write there as comments, posts, and articles, they are read by Harvard university professors. Um, they are read by my former bosses from Bell Labs, directors and vice presidents. They may have all retired by now from Bell Labs. These are authorities of wireless uh, sciences and engineering and, and light uh, radiation science and engineering. They read it routinely. They don't say anything. I've been asking. I need to go and show how this works in a uh, academic forum. And, and be challenged. Nobody wants to challenge me in public. I have even have a huge wager out there that if I lose, I give you the money. If, 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 if I prove you're wrong, you give me the money. They just read what I have to write. Mm. But yeah, you're right. IEEE uh, is, is doing the science and engineering all wrong for, for 5G and 4G uh, antenna work. Uh, antenna propagation is all wrong. I put out how antenna propagates in in a uh, in a paper that I was solicited to to write uh, that paper by a simulation community, and I was solicited, so I wrote and I I, I calculated simulated a, a directive beam from from a flat antenna. Never heard from them again, and these are the people who <laughs> solicited me to submit something. I submitted yeah, it, and 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 all uh, uh, communication stopped after that. Yeah, so Dr. that Carl, we literally, literally have one minute left. We literally have one minute left. Uh, yeah. Just summarize what you think should be done now. I think that we need to start from education, uh, from from academia, from industry authorities to uh, look at the work that I have done, the, the work that some others have done. Uh, there have been a lot of biological studies on 5G radiation. Uh, Joe Moskowitz from University of California, Berkeley, uh, has been uh, 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 making aware of people what all these studies are. So those studies, they may not be accurate either, but one thing from those studies that are accurate, when a rat gets sick, it gets sick from what amount of radiation and what type of radiation it got sick from, because they're probably measuring it wrong. That doesn't matter, but if you if you shine yep. some radiation- Well, Tanisa on, Khan, on it's such, rat, a, such a real pleasure having you from... on the show. I hate to cut you off, but we come to the end of the show. Dr. Nisa Khan, thank you for joining us on Sky Dragon Slaying. Thank you for having, having me. Okay, thank you, bye-bye.